Hello and welcome to episode 27 of RPG Blueprints. In this episode, it's another franchise flavor episode, and I brought Deshaun back on to help me talk about Octopath Traveler and the gods in the series, how you can use them in an RPG campaign, and some of the details about them. Uh, I also, for the first time, put some background music in, and when we talk about the gods, I put in Yasunori Nishiki's um, compositions for the related characters. I thought it was a cool way to sort of set the mood as we talked about each god, and also you can see sort of two different sides of the gods and the themes uh, that they play with, and um, you get a real feel for how you could have different characters um, following the same gods, but having vastly different um, moods. Um, so I hope you enjoy this episode. It is a long one. Um, and uh, I hope you enjoy sort of uh, the sort of the different editing style that I went with. Welcome to my studio. I am Cole McCallum, the aspiring architect, and this is RPG Blueprints. Welcome back to another episode of RPG Blueprints. I've got Deshaun back here with me, and today we're going to talk about Octopath Traveler. Thanks for coming back, Deshaun. Thanks for having me again. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm, I think we're both pretty happy because we're pretty big fans of Octopath Traveler and Octopath Traveler yes. 2. Such a good game. Nothing but good things to say about it. Absolutely. And with Octopath Traveler 2 coming out earlier this year, both of us played a lot of these games, and I thought it would be cool to talk about, on another franchise flavor episode, bringing some of that flavor in a different way than we've done in the past, because we've got a lot of very normal classes that you would see in most most RPGs or many RPGs, especially like D&D. Like we've got clerics, we've got hunters, which are similar to rangers. We've got scholars, which are similar to wizards, thieves, rogues, that sort of thing. We only have a few sort of out there classes in the way of like apothecary and merchant. But other than that, yeah. it's pretty normal RPG stuff. Definitely. But what I thought might be interesting is that there's a pretty big focus on the gods of the games, and yep. maybe we could bring some of that flavor into games of our own. Definitely. In Octopath Traveler, there are 13 gods that kind of uh, operate over the continent or the country, I guess, depending on the game. There are different theories and headcanons as to where the setting takes place between both games, and also technically in the app game, Champions of the Continent. But in every game, they have these 13 gods that kind of operate in its place to help orchestrate how the world itself functions. And those gods are Alfric, Alifan, Aber, Brand, Doter, Drefendi, uh, Bethelgon, Seal Teach, 
and I believe that's it. So those are the eight main ones that yes. correspond to your eight characters' classes. There are some other gods as well, but we're not going to really focus on those ones specifically because even though for a lot of people that played the second one, like myself included, I didn't even realize that the four sort of hidden gods of the first game were even really in the second game, but they do have an effect on the very end game. Um, So we're just going to focus on like the main eight gods that, like I said, correspond to the main jobs. Correct. So what's cool that I think about the second game is that if you start with Temenos, the cleric, it brings you right into the story of the gods. That is Mm -hmm. the focus. And you start playing as Elfric, the flame bringer. Yes. which is the cleric's god. So that's a cool difference between the two games that that you almost feel like more directly connected to these gods. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, definitely. Another thing I like is that they allow space for... To put, in the first game, I recognize there was a lot of kind of reference, and until you like game, you kind of get more of a forward hand, a heavier, a heavier hand with the aspects and commentary on the gods, and also skills, technically. But what I liked also as well about the Tamano scene is it allows you, it puts you in that world and it allows you to, it gives reference to how much knowledge the people know because it's told in the sense of, as a story too as well, which I thought was cool. Yeah, that's true because it's Temenos telling kids about these stories that, that you would hear in church. That's yes, how it's definitely. set up. Yeah, so it's cool to see that these gods are like, mainstream and well-known amongst the people which i think is one of the reasons i think if i just played the first game i wouldn't have really thought to bring the gods like forward Mm -hmm. like this like playing octopath 2 because they're they seem to they seem to have more of an effect on the world and people's day-to-day just like you would again when you're talking about gods in like d or whatever praise be to helm like little things will happen even if you're not a cleric that do affect the characters and the lives just in the real world like people who practice religion like you don't have to be like a priest to have that be a part of your life absolutely i also like the fact that there's a lot there's a lot of aesthetics you're not seeing a lot of imagery about them but if you look into content involving map games and stuff it is shown that they all wear masks in the Octopath Traveler scene too, the actually the Alfric is actually seen without a mask for the period that he's playable in that scene that we talked about earlier. However, it is notable that he's a lot older in that appearance, so he just shows up in the app games or in other appearances. Since the fight with the gods took place before the events of the app game, so that's why if you've ever seen any content about the gods, they're mostly just masks, and which is different than what Alfric's scene is shown at the beginning of the story, where he's not masked, but also seen as much older with beard and stuff. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. For example, if you wanted to bring it into, bring these gods into a D&D game, some things that you need to know that are like mechanical are the, the alignment and the domain as far as like the traditional nine, nine alignments go. One thing I just want to say is that like, the main eight gods are all sort of good or at least neutral aligned. Like none of them are bad. There are evil gods in this setting, but these main eight are not going to be evil. Are not. No. 
Yeah, I think, though, Elfric is the uh, aligned with the clerics, and the clerics more or less are shown to be very dutiful, like very traditional yes. god mm-hmm. in that way. So I feel like probably lawful good is, like, Elfric is the epitome of the good god. Absolutely. And both characters that represent Alfred's way, they both are very, regardless of personality or stance or like level of snark, they're very positive people. They love bringing help to people. They love encouraging people. Their aspect involves following, and that means like a certain level of like religion or a certain level of duty and devoutness. And yeah, that is very de- 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 definite in Alfred's ways. So lawful good definitely works. Yeah. In Dungeons and Dragons, we have, I think that's 14 domains right now. All the domains do correspond to a cleric subclass, but also it's a way of classifying, classifying gods and getting an idea of what their whole deal is. Yes. So here we've got Arcana, Death, Forge, Grave, Knowledge, Life, Light, Nature, order, peace, tempest, trickery, twilight, and war. Yes. And you could, like, depending on what your DM says, like, you could potentially do any domain with any god, but generally when Wizards is putting official stuff out, they're assigning these domains to gods to give you a, like, a guiding hand. Yeah. Yeah. So, based on what Elfric's whole deal, what do we think his domains would be? Elfric, I could see, like, in regards to these specific domains or, like, the cleric domains? Yeah. I would say peace, light, life, and order would probably be the four biggest ones I see here on this list that would probably represent Elfric. Yep, that's what I was thinking, too. I think that's perfect. In the first game, Ophelia, the cleric, her story is about performing this sacred rite involving lighting up these beacons or torches with the sacred flame. And that is for the sake of, like, protecting the world from evil. Yes. So, like, light, order, peace, like, obviously that all goes with that and then life life the cleric is the main healing class of the game it it has party-wide heals so i think that yeah those are all great fits yep so yeah i want to start with elfric today because the most stereotypical easy to pin down god because like you can see that's what you think when you think of like a cleric yeah there you go now, just if you were to take this into another setting and maybe like some of these things aren't as aren't as relevant, like the domains, for example, I just thought that asking some of these questions from the ultimate RPG Game Master World Building Guide might be interesting to talk about. Yep. So they've got here, what is your god's name? Do they have titles? And interestingly, all of the gods do have titles. So, for example, Elfric is the Flamebringer. That's his title. Yes. And now some of these are us maybe just headcanoning what we think, because I don't think all of these things have been established in the games. What heralds this god's presence? 
So if they were to be physically present, like manifesting in some way, like how would you know that Elfric is around? Um, a lot of his theming would be involving torches, also religious structures. And Elfric's name usually would have to exist in the world or the playsets or setting that you operate in mm -hmm. when playing. It is religion-based, so that's also always going to be a focus. It doesn't have to be one-to-one, -one, obviously. That could be shown in different ways, whether it be like, I don't know, you try to create it, Elfric's in a version of a cult setting or like a village setting or or a monarchy or different things in Alfred's name. So you don't have to be stuck towards what exactly what is represented in the game in the sense of like the whole church kind of vibe stuff. You could always, you could use Alfred's and the way that he operates with like life and order and, and peace, that kind of stuff and operate it in different ways to still tell and stay true to what Alfred represents as the Flamebringer. But yeah, I think as as far as how you would know he was around, though, I think that sticking with like flame, fire, torches, like in some way, yeah. oh yeah, is, absolutely, like, key because like he is after all the flame bringer. Yes. Um, so I think like sticking with that, and like you said, if you wanted to tweak it, like if it was a dark cult, like twisting it, then it's like dark flames maybe or yes. purple flames as opposed to like the bright blue that he's known for yep yeah how does this god communicate with mortals now that's an interesting one because do we know if he has communicated directly in the games i'm trying to think we know that their existence has been shown based on like structures and how like how the world exists and obviously with the plot and how that goes as well so there's evidence in that kind of stuff mm -hmm. also his direct communication i'm not sure if he directly communicates with anybody in the game that i can think of in the games yeah he's more of like they operate it more like a presence that like omnipotence like a presence without having to physically announce itself there are teachings and constructs and readings and abilities and powers that are exist in the world because a lot of in octopath and octopath 2 there are like every npc seems to have skills and stuff and some of those skills or some of the sections and stuff especially involving like places that are directly involved with elfric or churches and stuff will have characters who use skills and abilities that are directly from like Alfred's teachings or for example all of the all of the classes have divine skills and the gods are directly called upon and then there's some sort of blessing that they give so in a way that's a communication like definitely i can see that, I can see that. but if we were to establish i think again maybe through fire like do like Mm -hmm. maybe he would appear in flames when you try to communicate. That would probably yes. be the way, to, way yeah, to show up. Yeah. Yeah, definitely flames, definitely holy imagery, definitely anything involving themes of, to me, like a goodwill passion, because a lot of it is, and perseverance, because a lot of the, the stories involving the flame is like, again, like, and Ophelia's journey in the first game, her having to travel and bring this flame to different places across the country and that kind of stuff. And her journey and who she, like, how she communicates and meets with and that kind of stuff. So I could see that also being like an aspect of like Alfric. 
Right. Yeah. For sure. I feel like this part might be the same for most of them. Yeah, but Where does this god spend the majority of their time? They're siblings, so usually they're... I would... Uh, unless they have specific... If you were like... If you wanted to create landmarks or placements for them that mortals can't reach where they would be existing. That is potentially something you could use, or like in most cases how people use Greek mythology and the Olympians, and they have the whole Olympus. So it's like that place is where they all kind of hang out and do their thing. There's not like a canon place that is spoke of as to where the gods are located in Octopath 1 or 2, but when I think about them, I think about how they in a world like that, how they would operate kind of in different places to kind of cover the entire map. If that makes sense, or the entire country. Yeah. Like, we know that they that heaven is a concept. Yeah. Yes. But as far as, like, where we physically see them, the closest we come to that is the statues of them. Yes. So, yeah, definitely. Again, like, if you want to take what, you know, has been established in the games and maybe extrapolate from that. If, on it, like, in Disney's Hercules, when Hercules goes to the statue of Zeus and it, like, animates, yeah. like, perhaps that's where you could find uh, Elfric, or, again, maybe any of the gods for, the, for this mm-hmm. case. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Also, in comparison to other deities, Alfric the Flamebringer is mostly the one that had his, like, chapels and cathedrals dedicated to them. Like, kind of like an early pontiff-type figure. True. Yeah. Yeah. Alfric. Alfric, the word itself, is known for... is best known for a 1955 A.D. and considered the greatest Anglo-Saxon pose writer of his time. His religious teachings were used to instruct monks and were likely responsible for the Mosaic Revival in the 11th century AD. There were also multiple English abbots who were named Alfric, perhaps from, for the writer, including the Archbishop of Canterbury, Alfric of Bennington, born 1995 AD. So, like, the name itself is based on religion and based on a famous writer in religion. Oh, yeah. the All the gods have, like, really actually interesting name origins, origins i love that yeah, yeah. thanks for bringing oh that yeah same up. of course definitely okay what object is connected to this god is the next question the sacred flame yeah and sacred flame. and like you said the actual like churches themselves yes out of all the gods it's most noted that alfred actually had things that, that exist in both games like for that god as, yeah. as a religion or like a church again church chapel that kind of stuff kind of all ties together exactly they were all different gods and they all had their own rights but like kind of he's the one that's not that that's kind of worshipped in that way idolized that way praised in that way exactly yeah the last question that we've got here is how does this god prefer to be worshipped if we take how they're actually worshipped to mean that that's how they like to be worshipped, then in a very sort of traditional sense of coming together for congregating, worshipping, but nothing dark. So, like, we're not doing ritual sacrifice here. We're praying. No. (laughs) Yes. Prayer, again, flame, flame burner, sacred flame, lots of that. So 
flames being lit in their honor and his honor his teachings and the sacred flame being traveled throughout different lands mm-hmm. that's also a thing that's probably guaranteed it's not like in other cultures or other created cultures or religions that kind of stuff where the object or the MacGuffin is in one place and it's secured the same way it's more so the is, the flame is spread out and in doing so then its teachings and his respects and stuff is also being spread out so spreading the light to the dark places of the world yes yeah yeah perfect cool that's a good overview of elfric any last points none for me Thanks. Yeah, okay, let's then move on to Aber. Yes. So a very different flavor of god. Um Aber mm-hmm. is the god of the thieves, also known as the Prince of Thieves. Yes. Oh, sorry, one thing. We never talked about the divine skill. Oh, yes, I ma- mentioned it in passing. Yeah, did you want to specifically talk about the function of Alfric's ability. I also have quotes for every single ability. ability. Like, bear witness to Alfric's flame is the quote. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to, like, talk about the ability, I'll talk about the quote, or however you want to do that. The divine skill is a little different between the games. Yes. In the first game, basically what it does is that whatever actions you set up, you just do a second time. Yes. But in the second game, it just gives you an extra turn in between turns. So it's different but similar in the fact that it gives that extra action, which, like, in general terms, I like to think of it as inspiring to go beyond, to go plus Mm -hmm. ultra. I also think of it as, in religion, in a lot of that aspect, when people seek out religion, they're looking for a second chance. And oh, in both games, the ability for the for a god that is the most religious and really in that retrospect allows a person to either do the same skill twice or have an, a literal second action at the end of the turn, which I think is cool. That's cool. I like that a lot. Did you want to add oh. some of the quotes? Yes. Alfred's divine skill is called Alfred's Auspice, and the quote that is used to it, the characters will sometimes say different things, but the one that's directly in response to what Alfred does is bear witness to Alfred's flame, which obviously brings back to the flame, the imagery, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And that is Alfred. So that's like a fun little thing that like, if you're playing like a cleric character who follows Alfred, then maybe anytime you cast a spell, like you would say something along that line, especially like in D and D, if you're using sacred flame, like it's a match made in, heaven wow everything's coming yes. together but if you were say like just like a ranger who also was like reverent of elfric like you could keep that in mind as you're going through and you're asking for blessings you're saying like may the sacred flame light my path or something like that like just keep those little things in mind of someone who might actually Definitely. follow the god exactly yeah okay aver, aver. Yes. The Prince of Thieves. Yes. Let me start with Aber. Sorry, one second. Let me just double check. Okay. Were you going to open up the domains of 
Rogue? Or how are you going to go about that? I think it's just fun. Because you pointed out the etymology. I didn't really think about it. But just a fun little thing. Aver mm-hmm. is a word meaning notorious in Old English. So sometimes yeah. it's... Using it, connection it, with criminal acts. Sometimes it's like really specific like it's in reference to this specific author like it's got all yep. these different like ties elfric has or with aber it's like a little more simple but either way yeah. i think they pick some really cool names yes but what we don't know oh, as much about elfric or as much yeah. about aber as we aber. do elfric because elfric just being that sort of like proto god gets more attention yes Okay, starting off, let's say Aber is probably not a good character. I would say he's probably no. neutral. Neut- he's guaranteed neutral. Because both both thieves in Octopath 1 and 2, Therion, and Throne both sort of operate in that neutral gray space. Yes. Aber also seems to, in regards to the same two characters in both games... Therian's focus in his story was literally seeking freedom because he gets too cocky about his abilities as a thief and ends up getting trapped. And then he has kind of like a deal in order to kind of work himself out of his trappings. And Therian kind of has a very similar story of being in one place and wanting that freedom to be another. So having both the characters who are thieves, who primarily are quiet, primarily take what they want, this, that, whatever, characters who most cases are themed as characters who just take whatever they want or whatever both are seeking a certain level of freedom so like as free as they are to steal as free as they are to operate in their own rules they still have direct entrapments in their story they have to get over and differences to other characters yeah as far as lawful neutral or chaotic goes i um, would probably you probably want to go for the most not self can, not self-retained, but self-retained, self-involved, more alignment, only because unlike um, Alfric, where there's a focus on being lawful, a focus on maintaining good, it's less about being good and it's more about finding your version of freedom with the abilities of being like notorious thieves or certain things like that operate in Abers. Because again, Abers' subtitle is the Prince of Thieves. And I think that uh, like chaotic neutral is like a good space to be in with that because I mean you could also argue with the way that even the thieves in what's the city the city with shoot the city is the city with the New New Delstra no New Delstra no the one no uh, not New Destra it's the one with the thief like job clock bank clock bank that's where the thief class job is right oh yes it is yeah, yeah okay in clock bank that that thief hideout has like clearly strict rules about like how to operate yeah and so does the black snakes which throne is a part of so yes. i like you could argue that that lawful neutral Fits because because they have such a strict code, but I think yeah. because the, because both Throne and um, Therian are Therian. like fighting against the situation they're in, 
like yeah. i think that as people actually blessed or whatever like yes. watched by aver that that i think chaotic does fit better yeah and as far as domains go i think trickery yes. is the easiest to go with trickery and i'm i'm honestly struggling to think possibly Maybe death, death? <laughs> Sorry, my apologies. A possibly death only because there is a certain level of assassin and training. And when it comes to that, I know Therian not as... I mean, he still has certain abilities and stuff you could do. But Throne definitely had a big aspect of her character be assassination as well as Thief. So it's not so much in the same pocket as just Thief. There's kind of more gray of that area when it comes to class setup and stuff as well. Yeah. So if you wanted to do anything involving Aber, that's a big focus. I would there. probably stick with trickery and death. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. God's name. Do they have titles? Yes. The Prince of Thieves, Aber. Yes. What yes. heralds this God's presence? Now this one is a little more interesting because again, less is known about him. And I don't think that, it's as obvious. Like, I don't think he has yeah. many obvious tells. Uh, yeah, I, in a way, like that because there's, it gives you a lot of room to create. It gives you a lot of work, a bigger sandbox to work in that sense. Mm. You could use as, I don't know, he could be a multitude of things. Aver could be the alley cat that whispers to the kid about doing certain things and becoming a thief or like the, I don't know, it would have to be something involved and that's very quiet or subtle or something. It's not going to be a presence or an like, Aber's not going to be a loud god. That makes sense. It's not boisterous. Very quiet, very whispers to the smart, like the quiet person and their potential and that kind of stuff, if they were to kind of present in that way, definitely. Uh, I like what you're saying because this is kind of spoilers for late game Octopath 2, but Throne gets, when you finish her story, she gets her her EX skill Disguise, which is taking on the form of another character in your party. So I like what you're saying about how how he would show up as, like, different, like, beings. Yeah, I could picture it as, in, in comics, there's this character, minor villain with the Flash, called the Everywhere Man. Where his whole ability is that he just has the ability to change his presence. It's very mystique in that kind of sense mm-hmm. as well. But like, in, in an Aber sense, it was this thing of it would kind of be the thief that is unrecognizable or a thief that could constantly get away because of the ability of disguise. And if Aber is going to operate on that kind of omnipotent, godly level, why would Aber ever have just one face? Absolutely. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yes. Also, I like the Prince of Thieves and the whole like. What's that? What's that story in the Forty Thieves? Ooh, but I like that it's in that same sort of era area. Yeah, like he could show up as any number of these thieves. Exactly, and I would assume to a certain degree, if he's communicating with a person or, or trying to incite his will or that kind of stuff, unlike Alfred, who would just be very religious, very open and willing. Aber would just make it have like maybe something specific that the person would pick up on because a lot of a lot of thieves and their whole thing is having intelligence but a street level intelligence, a street right, level intelligence yeah. being aware to pick up on things so if you were to have or confront your character or anything of the sort Aber would probably always have the same voice maybe the same eye color maybe the same haircut like oh absolutely one yeah. aspect that would maintain but would also constantly create 
different layers or whatever, but the person who would communicating with Aber would have that understanding and distinction because they are like a chosen one of the Prince of Thieves. Yeah, that's awesome. That would be a great way to bring him into the campaign. Definitely. Okay, how does this god communicate with mortals? I like what we were just saying, where it's that he just shows up in a myriad of forms and only like the savvy will understand that like he is communicating yes where does this god spend the majority of their time i would say if alfric is spending their time around religious people churches that kind of stuff i would say definitely aber is always on the go type of god hard to track down yep yeah always like they might operate in the same like, if all eight gods have to operate in a certain country, world, aspect, whatever, Alf Aber is one of the only ones who, like, is constantly moving. It's harder to track. It's harder to communicate with. Like, they're not as, I, to my mind, when I think of it, they're not as interested in the comings and goings because just like in its divine quote, Cleave Aber, take what's yours, they're busy. He's focused on taking what's theirs or, fo- like, focus on helping people who can't reach their own thing to take it. Like, this is, like, Therian and how they're both seeking their own freedom and through Aber they kind of take their freedom it'd be kind of that aspect and also that he's not sitting there he's not sitting there with his like church trying to gain a huge following like he's probably like seeking out those specific skilled individuals exactly Uh, yeah interesting I like that yep what object is connected to this god the only thing I can think of is like knives and daggers. I could, you could use, yes, knives, daggers. A lot of times I've also noticed locks or a, like a bracelet or a chain or a something because in both games they both had an appendage or a lock or some type of object that physically represented them not being free while also seeking freedom. So it seems to be that like Aber, if they were going to be representing something, it would be something that is almost a negative towards their goal. If you're seeking if you're able, if you're going to be more heavy-headed, you're seeking an object or something. If you're seeking a magical crystal, you're most likely you have the staff for the crystal or you have the ring but without the with the rock missing in piece or something. There's usually there's one half without the other half, a lock without a key, that kind of stuff. That's what I've noticed when it comes to anything involving Aber. I like that. Yeah. Are you, are you ready to talk about his divine skill? Oh, we just have, how does this god prefer to be worshipped? Okay. But I think, I don't think he likes direct worship. No, it's more of a, I feel like Aver gives and grants more to those who take them take for themselves. So there, he's not looking for the appreciation or anything, but he's looking to see that people kind of, in a more literal sense, get off their asses and take what they need to take for themselves. Yeah. So that's probably where Aber's focus is, because that seems to be where a lot of the Aber-focused characters are in the both games. Also thieving, obviously, and like the yeah. ta- like theft, communication, understanding certain things. A lot of both characters talk about like understanding people's breathing, catching their habits, that kind of stuff. Subtleties, being aware of things, history, having a lot of networking, knowing to where to go to a place and how to whatever. Like in the first game, a big note to me is when I was introduced to Theory, and the first thing he does is he goes to a bar for information. And I just think that's, like, cool in the sense of it's a very, not of extremely high spoke about thing because there hasn't been, like, a character that directly has, uh, an Octopath or Octopath 2, that has a direct social ability involved, but also being a part of Aber's focus. 
not yet at least, but right. I find that it's cool to see that they get information or like sometimes even when you steal stuff, you can steal a piece of information and it's not like an object. It'll be like a quest type of True, thing. yeah. So it's like that kind of thing where it's not technically communication, but he's kind of getting things. He's getting information. It's not always a physical object. It's not always a weapon or an armor or whatever. Sometimes you're getting actual information out of people or stealing certain things in that sense. But I would also like to see one day an Aver-focused character that does have the communication thing, because that'd be cool, mm. or interrogation or anything kind of stuff, because I like that kind of thing, oh. that kind of aspect. Oh gosh, I can't even get lost thinking about Octopath 3. We gotta focus, we gotta focus. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, so did you want to move on to the Divine Skill? Sure. The Divine Skill is called Aver's Reckoning, which I feel like it works because Aver's Reckoning, again, a big part of Aver's theme is showing up for yourself or shaking how it works to get your own thing. The act of thieving is taking from something without asking for the sake of bettering yourself and stuff. So it being called Aber's Reckoning is cool. A big thing too is the attack itself is triggered based on the proportion of your speed. And again, in most cases, thieves are fast and that kind of stuff. But also the ability to, when you thieve something, it's a quick reaction in the moment. It's a quick awareness in the moment. So that translating to an offensive skill, Aber's Reckoning, is like a, a quick attack that the that hits in such a way that like the enemies couldn't counter or it does such a big hit or that kind of stuff. And just to be clear, like it's not just against one target. It's a strong attack that hits every every yes. enemy. Yeah. Yep. A lot of power. Power from speed. Yes. yes. Yeah. So that's Aber. Uh, yeah. I think it would be a very fun god to have, like you were saying about him showing mm -hmm. up in different ways. Like, I think you could have a lot of fun with that on the GM side or the player side. I think it would be fun to actually portray Aver and come Definitely. out with creative encounters. A lot of those characters, a lot of the more subtle, more sneaky, those people, usually, those characters usually get a lot of shine because what they do is so important because most cases they don't do much. They're direct about what they do, how they go about it, what they mean. They can may have certain versions of them. They may have like theatrics to them, but they really have one primary focus, like characters like Loki or characters that kind of have that kind of trickster-esque like vibe you can put into Aber as a personality or whatever you want to do with him. Yeah. Fair. For sure. Who do you want to do next? Well, let's go with Alaphon. Cool. Alaphon's name is... Possibly derived from the first from the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Alphen. Alpha and Alphen are usually used as to signify the beginning, but also could be used as just references such as like a man of letters. Which works perfectly Alphon, for the yes. scholar king. Yes. Uh, Alphon the Sage is his second is his subtitle name. And what you see is kinda what you get about Alphon, a lot of their characters' focus is knowledge, achieving knowledge using that knowledge to, to get a step further, using that knowledge to uncover things that no one else has uncovered before, lots of that, finding the truth behind things. I notice a lot, and I noticed in both stories when it came to Alvin focused characters that a lot of their stories ended up kind of focusing on the overall plot or like kind of, like, like it, it explained the underlining uh, issues or the underlining antagonist plot and stuff that's going on in the background the big like the big one 
like kind of aside from separate stories because like being like a god of knowledge these scholars are often looking for the true nature of things which will get to the heart of the true nature of the plot like it just makes sense yeah definitely sorry i'm just double checking some stuff yeah a lot of what can they go for alvin sage yeah a lot of it's a lot of knowledge a lot of it's wow blanking on it oh alfred's characters Al, no alfred sorry alvin's characters in octopath and octopath 2 are the only characters that have the ability to inspect something at going into a confrontation they get a leg up which is different than any other kind of character in that sense their abilities are just knowing something and having the advantage that way yeah so how that shows up is when you enter a battle it reveals a weakness of a character or they also have the analyze skill where you can like manually reveal those weaknesses yes also in their focus they carry obviously more magic because sage and knowledge in most cases when people seek knowledge is in a more magical-esque way yeah because in these games it's one of those settings where magic is studied like a university correct um, subject yes in big regards to that we're probably gonna talk about it more later when it comes to like setting and stuff but a lot of school a lot of like a big focus on anything involving oliphant is definitely like knowledge school anything about learning anything about discovery usually they've done genius is a big focus on that kind of stuff yeah if we want to look at these questions what heralds this god's presence i like the idea that it would be like either like pages of a book rustling or again like stray pages like showing up unexpectedly or something like that yep definitely that definitely a big focus on anyone seeking to know more than what's around them is a big focus definitely character wise like alvin would probably be focused on like if there's a group of characters you were to create and stuff alvin would definitely focus on the person who wants to know what's really going on or really wants to drive the plot forward although aber is also a very intelligent based god when it comes to the subtleties of thievery and understanding and that kind of stuff alvin is very more null uh, is more focused on kind of how it all works if Aber is more focused on interactions with fellow the fellow man or people or that kind of, or structures or going against how like social things go finding that freedom whatever. Alvin's definitely focus is, is finding out the world. How does this work? What's the truth about this? Oh, what's this place do? Oh, what's this monster about? Or like a lot of Alvin's focusing in the characters of both games are definitely like those, but definitely the focus of it. Like. For the second game, Oswald starts like straight up in jail and you kind of don't know anything. And then you find out immediately how kind of smart this guy really is. And I like how they like use that as a big focus for his character. He has all this real out like kind of existential crisis, everything going on, but he has his brain, he has his wits about him, and he has his drive. And that's kind of where you go from there. Unlike when the first game, Cyrus was very intelligent, but he also was socially like aloof they'd make some references to him being like like a lady killer or something where a lot of female characters would fawn at his attention and he'd be really oblivious or more focused on the actual information well i think i I think also it was a lot of like he would say stuff that he didn't realize sounded like a pickup line like he accidentally made these passes yeah 
And in the sense of that's relevant because you can tell even in the, even in like social stuff, unlike with Aber where they'll have to be, where it's required to have some level of inspection or social intelligence, there's a version of Alphon characters or that kind of stuff where they're, they have a lot of knowledge, but they miss some social aspects. Or That's very may, true. Yeah, like for instance, Oswald being the criminal archetype out of your cast is this whole thing where like he doesn't fit in a certain like the classical scholar thing he's just a genius but the kind of criminal stuff kind of change like shifts the shifts it from just being like a classic nerd or a classic wizard or any of that or just a seeker of knowledge yeah which on that actually we didn't talk about alignment but i think it's good that we waited until now because I don't think that uh, Alaphon is, like, specifically good either. Yeah. I think that he might be a true neutral. Um, I could see that. Being, like, all about, again, truth over everything. Yes. Which, like, oh yeah, truth does not have to be good or evil. No, it's just what it is, which is the truth. And you also, in both games, you have people who are, like, scholars that end up being, like, extremely evil people. Yeah, but like clearly still like following some level of like Alphon, yeah. so it's interesting. Yep. Also, the fact that like uh, for both stories, the without getting into it too much, the antagonists on like other kind of things are definitely more mirrors than I'd say the other characters are. Mm. Like both scholars and both like both the first and the second game, their antagonists or even like in their final chapters that kind of thing is another scholar who went too far, or, yeah. like, that kind of thing where it's it's still knowledge but it's a different side of the seek of knowledge yeah yeah next question (laughs) and for the (laughs) domains i don't think like there's a whole lot of ambiguity i think arcana and knowledge are the domains that you would be looking at for him Um, he doesn't have a whole lot else going on in the other no in the other ways if you were to imagine if you're gonna imagine the same way you imagine the other ones he's probably posing as a professor or if you want to get real subtle like a janitor at these places oh my but god definitely <laughs> anywhere where the seeking of knowledge anywhere where magic is happening mm. that's definitely where you'll probably see or spot or like sight often in that sense yeah and and how would he communicate with mortals books books yeah that's why i'm thinking like maybe like book that's hidden away or tucked away in a dark corner of a library that is like direct messages from him or something like that oh yeah always gives you subtleties towards the right book or that kind of stuff if you're under alfin in that sense yeah but again a lot of these gods are like somewhat removed away in heaven so Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not, like, literally... Like, I'm just saying, if they were to communicate or to be, like, kind of more, like, primarily in the stories or if you, however you want to create your experience. Yeah. Um, I think we already answered what object is connected to this god, like, books. It, Lots of books. Books, schools, knowledge. libraries. <laughs> right? That's what it is. If you wanted to use different eras, definitely would probably turn into a Magi technology thing or, like, a... Like flasks or not flasks, right? Yeah, flasks or like any type of science. Definitely like a. You know what you're picturing, like anything that you that gives a wisdom score or instead, like very that. Oh, and there was one part of Octopath Two where they made yeah. a big deal about pens specifically being given to scholars when they. Oh yeah. Like when they're 
either achieving something or they're starting out on their their journey. So, yeah, so pens specifically are also like a big yeah. thing. I think in both Cyrus and Oswald's like solo image, I think they're both writing something at a table, or at least they're mirror writing or like around like some type of. I don't remember. His, hold on, look up Cyrus just quickly. Cyrus, I can say for sure, and because that's that was his whole thing. Yeah, they're both at desks. Yeah. So they're both at desk with writing tons. Of, so yeah, books, writing, lots of that stuff. Uh, just on the on you saying, oh, they're both this one way. I think it's interesting to see between the two games because again, they use the same eight classes. Like, I just want to oh, make yeah. a note about uh, Octopath in general is that it's cool to see how they took the same archetype and between games, like each of those characters is so different. I think it's yeah. a good place of inspiration in general if you're if you want to look at like how you can take the same class and really go a different a different yeah. way with it. I think I think it's There's, a good example. Yeah. And especially cuz with something like this where they have those eight classes and the way that they handle it from the first second game with how different like not only the personalities but their aspects, their journeys and stuff while also still still abiding by their rules of law if that makes sense. I find that so intriguing. Like you can do so many different things like you can have an elf on sage whose whole thing is fighting out a journey because they were jealous of someone or that kind of stuff. There's so many different angles that still represent certain things that are necessary for each god to operate in those spaces. Yeah. 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 Next. How does this god prefer to be worshipped? I think it's like that pursuit of knowledge. I think Definitely. that's like how you can show, sort of show reverence to yep. him. Yeah, I think also definitely you're, it's this thing of your blessed and given abilities and powers or whatever in this journey of seeking knowledge. And it, one day you have to write a book of that knowledge or create spaces or tell that journey. I feel like it, unlike with Aber or certain gods where it might be specific to community or self, a lot of it is generational. A lot of it is passing, not the torch the same way, but like kind of creating and like being a making yourself a lord of learning and i think something interesting about when we were talking about like the different characters the different scholar characters having different sides to it i think that actually some of the antagonists were doing a bad job at following or worshiping the Alaphon because yeah. they were like hoarding knowledge and I think that's like yeah. the antithesis of what Alaphon is about. Yep, which is exactly why things don't work out for them and I think it's exactly. also why directly they end up in conflict with someone who is so strongly in Alaphon's values. Yeah, and especially with with Oswald specifically because that final confrontation is like them both thinking they've come to the culmination but clearly yeah. Oswald is the one that came to the true com- yeah. culmination. Yeah. And yeah, so hmm. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cool. So Alphonse, obviously like the other ones, also has a divine skill on Alphonse enlightenment, which again, knowledge, enlightenment, it's very on the nose. There's sometimes they quote it as I summon Alphen, the scholar king. Sometimes it's um, Alphen, teach me your knowledge and stuff like that. Like very learning focused very yeah do you want to go over kind of what the skill does 
Yeah, in the first game, they actually overhauled this class quite a bit in like just oh, yeah. base mechanics. You had a first level, like a first tier of fire, lightning, and ice magic that would do mm-hmm. damage to everyone on the enemy side. And then you would unlock skills later that would do two hits of each of those elements. But it works completely differently now yes. where you only have one of these skills that like the tier one and then you have a skill that sort of unlocks the second tier so when you have this buff you have charges of the second tier two hitting ability and then that divine skill gives the tier three three hits of each element Mm -hmm. but that's also different than how it worked in the first game yes so in the first game it was directly that this you would normally when you do abilities or for instance again because uh, often it's scholar you do magic it would automatically be aoe you would hit all targets and instead in alphonse um enlightenment in the first game you wouldn't then take that aoe focus and focus it onto a single target both with increased intensity so both of them are about like increasing your firepower, elevating your yes. magic, like again, yep. getting smarter and better. Like yep. you can generalize I, it in that way. It's just different definitely. ways of going about it. I definitely think also that Octopath 2 had a much better way of showing that because when you, as you go along in the game, you learn a skill that lets you do magic twice, hit twice. And again, with Alphonse and Enlightenment, you can hit three times. So it's a thing of the basics, but with the Enlightenment, you can multiply that. You can use, you can take what you know and quantify that knowledge. It's not a completely different skill. It's not like taking what you do normally and doing something completely different. It's taking what you do and making it even better because you know better. Exactly. And just, again, we didn't talk about etymology. Elephant in Old English means to allow or grant. And I think that between like this what we're talking about like him granting you this like enhanced power but also it's interesting because we do see cyrus in the first game being more of a direct teacher but in the second game oswald has an ex skill teach which grants your allies the buffs that you have on you So I just think it's interesting how they really keep this theming in not only like the divine skills, but in some of the other skills as well. Like we were talking about with Disguise and Aber. Yeah, there's also another skill he has called Stroke of Genius, which will give you two to three random buffs, which is very like a in the moment, stroke, literally Stroke of Genius type of thing. And I think that's also very cool because it plays towards the aspect of a scholar in a better way than just a classic magic dump. Yeah. Magic attack, magic... Yeah. Th- like, it gives more legs to it. It gives more, more flavor to the actual functionality. Yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely flavoring. <laughs> yeah, what's next? Any... I feel that's Alphon. Cool. That's Alphon, who is next on the docket. We've got Befelgen. Oh, Bef- yes, Bef- Befelgen. Befelgen, so, the merchant Befelgen- god. Yes, Befalgen the traitor. So Befalgen is Anglo-Saxon verb, meaning to transmit or deliver, which makes sense for a great traitor, obviously. Yep. 
And just to be clear, for anyone listening, that was T-R-A-D-E-R, traitor, not traitor, Mm -hmm. just so we're clear. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The Felgen, both characters that are merchants in these games are quite different, but they both Mm. embody this, like, crazy optimism, Yeah, which makes me feel like Bethelgen must also be, like, a pretty positive, good-aligned god. That's just my feeling, again, between both both characters. Yes. I think, when I think about Bethelgen, it also goes into another god I'll talk about later, but it's not directly Fortune, but it reminds me of Fortune, obviously. There's an obvious fact when it comes to, like, money, a lot of their aspects, a lot of what they do involves it. Well, leaves is the is the currency they use, but you can also obviously use what you want. And it's like there's money, but there's also a certain level of uh, not self-care, but there's a certain application that both merchants have where they're really self-sufficient as like characters. They're not the type of person that often they're not characterized as someone who like took it a lot, at least not yet. They could be like, again, an occupant through the game, kind of a down on your luck merchant. But a lot of them is Ophelia, but not Ophelia. Tressa. Tressa, sorry. Slipped my mind for a second there. Tressa's whole thing is being a young girl who seeks the thrill of trade, who seeks the thrill of the market, who like wants, who kind of falls in love with the aspect of communication and camaraderie that comes with trading. So it's less about the objects and less about the money and everything. And it's more about the friends you make along the way. Truly, yeah. Um, and Particios is really great because he just becomes kind of like Kung Fu Action Jesus. Like his whole thing is literally just being such a good guy. He, he said, he said, he said, capitalism, I don't think so. Not in my house. And he just, it's, I love it. I like, he's one of my favorite characters from the, from the second game because like he, no matter in what kind of, in the, in the face of, again, like, capitalism and selfishness or whatever, he really just cares about his fellow man. He really doesn't care about anything else but wanting to change the world and better and using money to actually help people yeah. and just stop poverty and that kind of stuff. And everything he does and every action and every kind of fight along his journey is definitely sticking to that. And there's not a sense of wavering ever. Mm. There's always, like, a sense of, makes like, both characters... As they go through these journeys, like, again, in real life and stuff, like, money's stressful. These things are stressful. They handle these aspects with such an ease because their purpose of them is so positive that, like, it's very, like, it, it, it's, yeah, um, it's great. I did, I've, when I've looked into some research on Befelgen, I don't think, some places they say that Befelgen's a he, some places they say that Befelgen's not given a gender, some places they say Befelgen's a woman because all of the characters in the first game represent the genders of the gods in the first game. I don't think that's true. Like theory. I don't think that's true either. Befelgen, I don't, like, Bef- <laughs> in my mind, Befelgen's the closest thing to Santa Claus in a world <laughs> like this, where it's just like the idea of he might show up somewhere and give someone the thing they need for something less. Yeah. Like, it's very much, unlike a po- unlike clerics or apothecaries or different type of direct healing, it's this thing of providing the object that they need or providing the transaction that they need. And even in the second game, Particio's whole skill of when he hires somebody for something, they kind of also have an effect that the NPC does to help. There's some NPCs that, like, if you sleep at an inn, they might wash the dishes so that 
you don't have to pay for the end cost or like certain things like that where it's like there's they use kind of money and monetization to show positivity and other aspects to how the world works without it being about capitalism yeah i just also want to go back to what you were saying about how they're both like self-sufficient and they're not pushovers because i feel like when i think about other rpg games that have merchants as like a character class like for example dragon quest they're always weak and and they (laughs) can't really do a whole lot like the point of having them is for their sort of like utility and like getting more money and stuff like that which like yeah, the merchant classes in Octopath 1 and 2 do have a lot of utility and do make you more money, but they're also useful yeah. in battle too. Oh yeah. They also have this thing of kind of in both games, if done correctly, they're the most useful person on the field. <laughs> yeah. I won't get into too much detail because obviously spoilers and stuff, but it's this thing of you take something that's so small and you can amplify it into such a way, and I think that kind of represents also in a way like how the Thalgan characters kind of operate. This is something like, as simple as money, but like Tressa does it to help communication around the country and Oswald does it to kind of, not Oswald, sorry, Particio. Oswald's paired with Particio, that's where my brain went there. <laughs> Particio is literally with his whole chest to saying that he's going to change the world. Yeah. So like that too. Yeah, so to circle back, because we went on a little yes. bit of a tangent. Um, oh, yeah, no. So bad. we got, no, that's both of us. We yes. got a good aligned, and I think, I don't know if it's lawful. I don't know if it's chaotic. I would probably say it's a good, like a neutral good god. I would say it's neutral good. Right? I wouldn't, because it's not, neither character are very high strung, neither rep, neither representation of both Delgan are very, like, specific to what it is or has specific logic to rules like literally they just walk around and even in Tressa's actual story she kind of just stumbles into a lot of it like Particio has set goals and set things in mind as a difference but like a lot of Tressa's she eventually gets to places but it's she's working from the bottom up mm. I want to be a trader I'm going to try this place because it's oh this place told me to go here oh this place told me to go here so it's like in a difference there's not like a set rule or set tracking so it is neutral in that sense also, in both games, their stat spreads are pretty neutral, if that even counts. Like, they both have potential to be good at magic or at physical. They don't have particularly bad defense or a particularly amazing defense. They're not particularly the fastest character or the particularly the slowest character. They're pretty neutral all out. But, like, what they do is what brings them to the table. The question, the god question? First, looking at the domain list, yep. this is a tough one for me. I, mm, ooh, uh, None super stand out. No. You would have to... Can't you, you, can't you make a domain, technically? See, I'm, try, I'm trying not to, like, go into... Like, you could make a domain, but, like, that also but, means you have to make a whole cleric subclass along with it. Fair. I think life is fine to have because... Yeah, life. Because... What we were talking about with it being self-sufficient, like, you have this rest ability for both characters. Like, that's just yep. something that comes along with it. So there is, like, a certain amount of healing that is intrinsic, as well as them having a hired help ability yeah. that also can be used for healing as well. Yeah. So there's different ways in there to show that. 
And then I was also thinking Forge, which is like a little bit like to the left of it. Yeah. Because Forge is like more of a blacksmithing thing, but as far as like RPGs go, like merchant yeah. and getting gold is used for yeah. equipping your characters yeah, and like one can relate to the other. Definitely. Yeah, so I feel like maybe those two. I don't know if you have a thought on maybe another one that would fit. I would agree those two. Yeah, that's what I would definitely say that. There's like versions of things. I guess it depends what you're doing. If you're not if you're focusing on specifically Bafalgan and how it works, you could technically tweak trickery a little bit in the sense of like how you take money from people not money from people, you take money from like enemy units and stuff. But that's very light. I wouldn't really that's if you're stretching it, but I would definitely say the ones that you said. Yeah, I don't I don't have strong feelings to disagree with trickery. Like the first the at first level you get charm person. Yeah. Which is a very merchant thing to do. Yeah. I think Tressa, Tressa, ha- Tressa is shown more than Particio to be a schmoozy and like salesman-y. Yes. I would say, yep, definitely she's more salesman-y, but Particio does have, is one of the following character functions, has one of the NPC followers. That's uh, true. Higher, with Because with higher, you t- it's one of the four classes with it, but aren't just a kind of offensive and stuff. You can technically take someone on with you. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely light, trickery. Yeah, but I, would, I, I have ideas for a different class, but that's for later. I think, but, yeah, for, Forge, Life, and Trickery do sit well with me for a neutral good god. I yeah. like that. Also, sidestepping is it's not trickery-esque, but it falls into a certain lane of... I'm sorry, I got lost. What are you talking sorry. about? Merchant also has an ability sidestep that allows you to dodge physical attacks. Oh, I literally and thought you like... meant sidestepping and then you were going to talk about something else. No, you meant the ability sidestep. No, the merchant ability Oh, side. yeah, which actually, ooh, now that you mentioned that, like another one of the spells is mirror yeah. image, which specifically <laughs> like sets up these false images to make it harder for you to hit, which like totally yes. works with sidestep. So yeah, another good call yeah. out. Okay, God's name, title, the traitor, Befelgen, like we said. What heralds this God's presence? I like for this one, what do you hear? What do you see? I like the idea that you hear just like jingling coins. Yeah, jingling coins, not specific voices, but the sound of like groups. Kind of like, well, for instance, if you're standing in the middle of a marketplace. Uh, yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah. Like the sound of a market happening. The sound of cash register mm, noises. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Dollar signs. <laughs> yeah. Also, sorry, I'm thinking. Yeah, I would definitely say that. Then trading money. I mean, it's harder to pinpoint that with the trader, definitely. Yeah. Uh, outside of those things. What's the next one? How does this god communicate with mortals? Which I think of all of them, I feel like Befelgen would probably be the most likely to directly communicate. Yes. He would also probably be definitely like, let's make a deal type of thing. Ooh. Because that's for sure how a trader would speak to another trader is a mutual understanding a mutual benefit like a mutually benefiting and that kind of thing but not in like Um, the way that you see a lot of these warlocky let's make a deal like very on the level like we are going to enter a partnership 
it, that is mm-hmm. mutually beneficial. Yes. Yeah. The Falcon also seems to be drawn to bright-eyed people without a hope. So there, I haven't seen any, at least not yet. There hasn't been any Bethelgen characters that are ever real. Again, like I said earlier, down in the dumps or anything. Mm. Seem to be very positive, seem to be very like willing, seem to be have a again, when it comes to stuff like money and trade and that kind of stuff, you definitely have to have like tough tough shoulders. What's the terminology for that? A, t- a tough dirt off your thick shoulder? skin? What's it? Thick skin, something it's in there. Something about a shoulder and skin. Either way. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, there's definitely a certain level of getting up and brushing herself off very easily that would come to those characters. Yeah. Yeah. Also, big hats. For some reason, big hats. Oh. They love a hat. You ever notice that they both have obnoxious hats? I love them, but they're, like, nobody's walking around without a hat in that class. That is an interesting comparison. I guess it might also be the objects. <laughs> Aside from like money and stuff. When you're panhandling for money, you gotta stick your hat out. So Yeah, tilt your hat, promise you got a good deal, that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, definitely imagery. I would for sure say obviously money, obviously even a traveling caravan, stuff like that. Not the stock market, but the stock market. No. The bears, the bulls. Yeah, yeah, of course. Unlike, like, a lot of the trader is very specific and kind of high. You would see, you would know what you're looking at. There are other ways, like, more subtle ways to do it. I don't know. If you were going to do a random in school thing, it would be the treasurer or, like, involving anything involving, like, a monarchy, you need that kind of stuff. It's definitely anything involving the money, the trade, the market, how things are operating. A lot of the functions of how the country and how, like, the people feel. And lots of that. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Also, a big part of their stories is, like, when it comes to people and stuff, is society, but, like, the evolution of it, the possibilities, what people want for themselves. Like, a lot of those stories, they talk with, like, the people involved in the Felgen stories want something for life. Not about knowledge, but about bringing something forth or creating an experience or taking something and making it some more. Yeah. I don't remember the exact of it, but I remember Tressa in one of her stories talks about like her inspiration as a trader and as a merchant as well. And a lot of it is like the feeling on someone's face when you give them exactly what they need. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. She's not coming at it from being the greatest merchant as like being the richest. Like she truly wants to be like the best at striking a deal and, Exactly. Selling quality products to people. Exactly. And then Particio definitely is not a futurist, but he's very focused on providing more for the future, giving more, especially with his, as you learn in his sister, especially in the story about like where he comes from and like his atmosphere and how he wants to bring more and give, give back to where he comes from and like, provide more, like jobs and opportunities for people, which I is very good hearted. Yeah. Mm hmm. Where does this god spend the majority of their time? I feel like he would be one that would probably disguise himself as a human and be in marketplaces. Yep. I feel like he would. that would be his whole deal. Oh yeah, definitely. Like, again, because hats seem to be a thing. If your character was going to be treated by Bethelgen, definitely Bethelgen's going to sell you the hat that makes the big thing, the traitor thing, the traitor hat. Like, they're definitely directly involved. Again, like Mario, Ash Ketchum, a lot of those hat-based characters. 
Mephalic is definitely somewhere in one, one shape or form or another in the there for the exception of how you become a merchant or how the character becomes a merchant. Or he's the one that tells you to turn it backwards when the battle gets rough. Oh my god, yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, speaking of, so, what object is connected to this god? I guess hats. I love it. I love that it's hats. Um, <laughs> Just, also, money, playbills, a bill, bill of rights. Bill of um, You know how sometimes they'll show like a scroll, a law bill, like cartoony scroll of paper type of thing? Where it's like half rolled up still. Okay. Okay. Yeah, like a trading D. Like, very that. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I guess scales, because yeah. trading. Yep. Yeah. Yes. How does he prefer to be worshipped? Good mm. faith trading? Good faith trading, definitely. not. It might not even be directly, because again, Alfred's usually the only god that has it directly, but having giant festivals or trading and stuff in general probably just brings, like, humor and charm and light to the Falcon. Because it's less about the actual objects and more about the trading and the communication and the people of it all, definitely. Oh, I love the idea that, like, in whatever world you're using these gods in, that that there yep. is a a sort of, like, farmer's market or something. Like, like it is, yeah. like, a festival farmer's market for Bethelgen. Exactly. That would be really cool. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Uh, malls, technically, department stores. <laughs> yeah, that that became canon in in yep. the second game. Slight spoiler, mm-hmm. but can't yeah. tell you how. Won't tell you how. Exactly. But it happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's um, Befelgen. Do you, oh, do you have something yes. else to say about him? Yes, Befelgen's divine skill. Is oh, I almost forgot. Bounty. Yeah, and the quotes are usually like Befelgen trade with us which is obviously very on the nose. The move itself operates, I believe, differently in both games, or is it the same? I believe it's different, right? Thinking about it. is It's not a skill I personally use. All that I think the modest. same, because it's just it a might be big single target damage dealing move, and then you gain as much money, money as you deal Equivalent damage. to the damage yeah. dealt. Yeah. I think that's which the is same. Just, yeah. And you're in a really funny way, you're literally... Like trading damage for money. <laughs> yes, you're giving damage and you're receiving money from your enemies. Maybe that's also um, part of how Bavelgan likes to be worshipped. Is yes. for smiting foes in the yes. in the name of making money. Definitely. But I also think that it's definitely it's not a hoarding thing. It's definitely a movement thing. Like. In a funny way, like how like people will say Aquariuses are water signs when it's like the movement of water, not the water. So it's like the movement of the transactions, not the transactions. Yeah, like the whole point of getting a bunch of money is so you can spend it on a lot of things. Exactly, X, Y, and, and Z. that money moves, which is like also again that's part of Partitia's whole thing about not yeah. hoarding and making sure everyone has enough. Socialist exactly. king, honestly. Period. Yeah. Yeah. That's Pythagin. Okay, then we're moving on to Brand, who is Ooh. another pretty straightforward god, I feel. Oh, yeah, he's one of the more simpler ones. His Brand the Thunderblade. That's pretty specific. <laughs> uh, Which is uh, interesting because yeah. he is not actually related to the lightning 
element, nope, not despite at all. being called I, the Thunderblade. Yes. It's Old English meaning sword, or brand is Old English meaning sword or torch of Germanic or- origin, same root as brandish or firebrand. When I think Thunderblade and thunder, I don't think of thunder as literal thunder or lightning. I think it is thunder is what follows from the lightning, and in both characters' stories, it's about losing and then winning. Okay. So, like, in Albrecht's case, he loses this fight, and pretty much everything he kind of knows is thrown out. His kingdom that he used to be was gone, and he just feels like a failed mercenary. But then as you go through his story, you re- he realizes in himself how much of a warrior he is. And, like, how he still has to fight for his, like, he th- th- kind of has, he has to take his blade and use it still like he doesn't he can't just kind of retire and give up he still has to fight for something even if it's not the kingdom that he used to fight for and then and then it ends up in a very peaceful place where he has completed his journey but has also re- finished what he started in the same way that like Hakari in his story is very like he in the beginning like he loses his kingdom and then going through that to kind of trying to reclaim it and go through that storyline also, like, lots of violence. They're both characters interact with NPCs in conflict. Both characters, again, are both told to be very strong warriors. They both seem to be very calm people. Obviously combat and stuff, but they are both seem to be level-headed, focused. They seem to, unlike certain aspects where people are granted, it seems to be their characters who gain power through hard work. Like, they're both for... Also, swords. They're both swordsmen. Swords are, like, kind of required, apparently, for brand. And, yeah. There's lots of that. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Okay, alignment. Alignment. I would say good. I would say lawfully good, probably. Because, like, in their stories... It's not like when things fall apart, it's not like they kind of do new things. They both kind of ultimately go back to the issue at hand and kind of fix it. So yeah. Like a certain responsibility or certain like required follow through. If it was like, oh, they're warriors, they failed, and then they kind of found like new life a different way that didn't reflect their failure, sure. But both kind of still don't escape from the problem. Both kind of go back, go back to the certain things. Yeah, I can see that. So, with that in mind, for domains, then I'm thinking order based on that. Yes, order. War. Hold on. Grave is about the sort of like circle of life and people passing on. Okay, then I would definitely say, I mean, that works. Because a big part of their stories and their failures are like, I guess death is also one, too, or grave, one of the two, because there are people that die in their lives. There are people that kind of affects how they operate in that kind of sense there. But is like, just because it's an aspect of their story, I don't know if that is what brand is about. Fair. Only because, like, when I think of, unlike the other aspects of trading or clerics or stuff, brand is about being a warrior. You're fighting. I've, like, in both aspects of in both games there's a war directly involved in the warrior story 
unlike other games where they uh, other games unlike other stories where they don't really focus on a war or a conflict the same way that warrior specifically does or brand specifically does which is why i was thinking like death or like so I, that, that's why, I, yeah, that's why war. I was thinking war Sorry. over over war death because with Aber being like yeah. assassiny, that's specifically yes. about killing. Where like war, yes. yes, does involve death, but war, like the is, the goal isn't killing. The goal is to win, like is to yeah. gain land or wh- whatever. Yep, yeah, no, I agree. Order and war, and again, possibly. Forge because of the focus swords. on yeah swords and stuff. Yeah, it's definitely more focused on the specifics of a weapon in comparison to like other classes. Yeah, that have different aspects. There's only two other classes between these two games that are more weapon focused. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So those three domains: waffle good, the Thunderblade. The, that's what the, I wanted to bring up Thunderblade, but you turned me away from saying Tempest Domain because it doesn't have much to do with it. But I was like, well, if he's called the Thunderblade, maybe. But I see what you're saying about like Thunder being like the sound that follows. So it's it's almost yeah. like he swings it so hard that you hear the thunder, sonic boom sort of thing. Yeah. But yeah. So just Forge, Order, and War. What heralds this god's presence? The sound of a battle? Clinking of metal? The sound of a battle, um, the sound of war, definitely war horns, definitely... Oh, war horns, yeah. um, The call of a duel. Um, Also, both places, both stories have direct conflicts in coliseums. So Mm -hmm. definitely anything involving coliseums or big battles like that. Yeah, and he specifically battle focus is definitely a big brand ID- identification. Also, I would say another place you might find brand is like, or not might find brand, another domain of focus could also be, like you said with Forge, would be like the creations of swords, so smithing places like that and stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's yeah. Like the train- the, it's two aspects. It's the weapon and the person wielding the weapon. Yeah. So anywhere that those two places kind of primarily take place is a big aspect definitely for brand definitely okay how does this god communicate with mortals the call to battle the uh, the definitely because both stories directly involved but i would definitely see an 11 o'clock warrior whatever you call it the second wind a, a warrior or any fighter with second oh wind. 11th hour yeah Definitely a don't count me out type of person. Ooh, I feel like Brand is also a really good god to have a like sentient magic weapon to be tied to yeah. him. Yep. And then to be like, you are the chosen warrior. Yeah, lots of that. Also, I've noticed they there are both in this in the story. There's lots of past warrior companions that either turn enemy. Or turn neutral, or just like you have to go through. Like it's not just it won't just be like a lonely warrior who has nobody for his past because everyone's dead. Like in the same way that in a, in the same way that like let's say Therian didn't have any like family members or anything related to him specifically. Like a lot of all of his experiences were in the moment and new. True. Uh, warrior both aspects are very heavy on their past, very heavy on like the past coming back or the you, you the, the things you think are counted out are, are turns out to be important. So yeah, definitely like rival warriors, anything in that kind of sense. 
Brand is also just, I would say, like Aliphon. There are usually like parallel warriors in Brand, definitely. Because in most cases you end up fighting like a rival or something in that kind of sense in Brand storylines. So yeah, definitely that as well. Yeah. Where does this god spend the majority of their time? I would say, again, like we talked about earlier, either battlefields or blacksmith places. Training, testing, strength. (laughs) Yep. Colosseums, anywhere like that. Anywhere where blood's being spilled for the sake of glory or the sake of self-discovery or fighting for oneself. Definitely that. Yeah. Yeah. What object is connected to this god? Swords. Swords. Lots of swords. One sword. Two sword. Three sword. Red sword. Blue sword. Warriors also wield spears. Spears, arms. yes. But I think because skipping ahead a little bit to the Mm -hmm. divine skill, Bran's blade is is a sword-based attack. So shows that he does. He's called the Thunderblade. He does favor one over the other. Definitely. How does this god preferred to be worshipped? Honorable combat. Honorable combat. That's the um, tests of strength. That's the um, same. Literally, apparently, duels in the street at any point in time. Fights breaking out anywhere because both characters have the ability to just literally pick a fight with anywhere. Like squads up, hands up. Throwing hands at a grocery store, a library, literally anywhere. Yeah. That's available. Yeah, the only time he can't is if they're a child. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's their whole thing, is being able to challenge people when they want. Yes. Um, but everyone and always I'll... seems to be prick like into it. Like, nobody's, yeah, oh, please no. Some people are like, ugh. I guess we'll swing these hands. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, the divine skill, like I said, it's just Mm -hmm. a big single target attack. Lots of damage. Yep, up front. It's a showing of strength. That's all. It literally is a representation of a big blast of strength. So, like I said at the beginning, like Brand is pretty straightforward. Oh, yeah. It is not too difficult to stray away from it, and it's pretty, yeah. And also Brand's divine skill call is Brand, rain down your blows. Or Brand, oh, is it Ignite Your Fury or Brand? It's just, Albrecht used to say something along lines involving fury or unleash your fury or something like that. But it's very much like ferocity of sword technique focused. Here comes my big damage move. That's what he's saying. Pretty much. <laughs> and that's Brand. <laughs> yep. Moving on to Doter. Dodor. Also known as the Charitable. Yes, Dodor, which is Anglo-Saxon for doctor, so very on the nose. <laughs> yeah, for the apothecary class. Yep. Dodor the healer, also on the nose. Yeah. So, she also, I think, would be a pretty lawful good character. Potentially neutral good uh, yeah. Only because I think that, like, sometimes both the characters displayed that they, that they're willing to heal people that, like, common society would determine that, like, they shouldn't be healed. Yeah. And uh, so I think that maybe that 
that's not necessarily i don't know but it's also like lawful in the way that like doctors take the hippocratic oath and you have to so i could see either either one being argued honestly definitely also a big aspect of doter is the fact that unlike in the world with magic and healing it's all medicine it is all objects it is all like materials leaves spices herbs like things that like tangibly exist that they mix to make one to like again its main ability is literally to concoct so it's not a magical healing it's not a holy healing it's nature it's taking the surroundings and using it to better help people which is and also speaks to the character because in i don't remember if in alvin's story there's a big aspect but definitely in cassie's story there's an aspect of taking something from the earth and, and making it bad and that kind of focus and sorry i'm losing my train of thought lost it damn oh i was interested it's like a, <laughs> where that was sorry going. i'll go again sorry so unlike in cassie's story there is imagery or certain events that take place that involve taking materials from the earth or taking a medicine or the knowledge of it and using it for harm or worse and that gives a kind of a big plot point we'll discuss it but so there's a big aspect where both characters focus on taking the surroundings about them, having knowledge on plants and things. Unlike with Fawn, where the focus is on like knowing about nature and the knowledge, it's about taking the knowledge of nature and your awareness and using that to heal and betterment or to not even just heal, to enhance or even debuff or deconstruct your enemies or harm your enemies. So it, I would, yeah. So if you were going to think about alignments, I, I think of it as good. I also sometimes think of it as, as neutral, just because you can do both. Like with Alfric, it's just mostly healing. There's not like a negative a version of it. But with Dodor, gives you access to doing things to your allies and doing things to your enemies. So I mentally, like a lot of their storyline, a lot of the characters' focuses are good-natured or focused on helping the people and that kind of stuff. But the construction of how Dodor actually operates is pretty neutral. It just seems like Dodor takes likes to be a good guy. Like you could do evil things with nature, or you could do evil things with it, but like he chooses to then follow and bestow abilities and whatnot to those who take nature and do good with it. But you can possibly do evil as well in the same aspect with Dodor. I could. I see what you're saying. I just think that someone known as the charitable, like I find it hard to think that they intend harm that's and i think this is a case of where those antagonists take the god and pervert their ideals yes i agree i mean in the sense of i should have been more i should have been more clear there's that level definitely when it comes to doing dota in the wrong way but i meant in the sense of as in both games both dota characters have access to using their abilities to also harm their enemies so you mean like the poison yeah, like that, like poison being a strong aspect of both characters' kits is like not something to be ignored in a sense, but like it has some effects. It's not just all healing, and there's also some defensive or offensive applications as well. I still think overall, Dodor probably operates in good for what it represents, but the properties of it and what you can do with it is neutral. If it was only positive things, like for instance, I guess we can't talk about it now, but like. I would say Dancer as an example. We'll get more to it later. And where you do buffs and stuff. Where 
unlike that, where you could do also do debuffs, and also with Concoct, you could do an amalgamation of different things to you or your enemies. But I would say Dodor definitely operates in um, neutral. Maybe so then, then maybe, maybe, maybe then chaotic good. I was gonna say neutral good because I feel okay, like yeah. it's up to the person of how they act. Because I think that using yeah. poison isn't inherently evil and it's not like even though cassie has a knockout skill like it is it's called soothe so you were like soothing a character to sleep you're not like it's not called drug yeah exactly yeah i agree i think i in my mind i only think of it because you have the ability to not so much like that you could poison is not malice intent, but the knowledge to poison in general is just the knowledge to poison. So I think this is to say that depending on how you really want to portray Doter in your campaign, maybe a little bit of flexibility in there. Yeah. Yeah. Your most cases, again, healing, doctor, that part is all important, but it's also like doctors in knowing how to heal and stuff, they also know how to kill people. Yeah. Not, like obviously they don't act it out, but to know something is to know all sides of it. Yeah. So there's that kind of knowledge. Is or at least to me, that's when thinking about Dodor or that kind of stuff is definitely something in a character's knowledge that you would need to put forth. Mm-hmm. Because there's to me in Alvin's story, there's a part where he helps somebody and in doing it it causes a negative effect. Oh, yeah. He has to sit with his character about that. Yeah. So it's like definitely having those aspects and clarifying those things if you're going to use Dodor or a character of Dodor or an aspect of Dodor those are definitely focuses to think about yeah I think on that if we want to look at domains I think Mm -hmm. death grave and life and nature I think those four all go really well and that sort of shows like both sides both sides of maybe I would also maybe scoot in some like a little bit of knowledge. Only because you don't have to know a lot in order to operate as a doctor. That's true. Which makes sense. Yeah. Kind of stuff. Like, you do start, again, I, I do the fact that you start not knowing things and like you, you test and try different concoctions, but then after you tested it, it's not like the knowledge goes away. That's like, true. Yeah. Know? So it's like that kind of stuff. Plus, even in the sense of Casty, who her whole storyline is not having her memories, is still incredibly knowledgeable. And she has the, unlike Alvin, who has the kind of trial and error concoct the function she has the stuff where she knows what to do she just has to have the pieces for it yeah and like in both sort of involves like to be a an apothecary you have to learn the recipes like in general and that does play out in different ways in both stories so yeah i think knowledge is good too so five five for doter death death grave knowledge life and nature so, what would herald this god's presence? I like the idea that it would be, like, certain scents of flowers, herbs. Like, mm-hmm. that's how you know that Dodor would be around. Or just, yeah. like, a general feeling of, like, calm. I don't think... I think out of all of the gods, I put a picture of Dodor as at least physical one. Like, they're not opaque, but they're, like... They're not ghostly, but their presence isn't as demanded. I picture Dodor, like, also in plants and stuff, but I also picture Dodor, like, there in the moment where a daughter sees their mother healing when they're worried about it, or that kind of stuff. Like, I see Dodor around healing people. I see Dodor in hospitals. I see Dodor, like, in, in, in places of need. 
yeah, Dodor is not like showing up and you're not just seeing her and talking to her, but yeah, but her presence is felt. Yeah, exactly. And on that, how does she communicate with mortals? She communicates with mortals. I would say there's got to be some level of intelligence or gift giving to the ability of providing the knowledge of the recipe. There's Alvin's case where it's trial and error, but there's Cassie's case where it's like she has no memories, but can still function and know how to heal and how to put things together to provide the specific need of healing. So there's a... It's like they give you a, it's like Dodor gives you an encyclopedia in your head. Oh, so <laughs> like Dodor communicates through divine inspiration. Yes, or d- communicates through, yeah, pretty much. That's cool. Um, I like that. Yeah. Oh, where does this god spend the majority of their time? Like you said, like in those places of need. Yeah. Um, Definitely. What object is connected with this god? Mortal, mortar and pestle? Pestle? Pestle. Yeah. Yeah, vases of That thing you... Oh, I'm going to sound real smart right now. The thing you mash for medicine? Like the little cup thing? Yeah, that, the mortar and pestle. Okay, work. Yeah, that was literally... T- <laughs> <laughs> so funny. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, mortal and pestle. I was also thinking anything involving medicine, like a pill thing, or any or the, a med kit specifically. They, bo- they both have their, like apothecary satchels both characters yeah that too yeah. oh yeah they definitely satchels not the hat thing cassie does but not not often no but yeah yep how do they prefer to be worshipped i feel like it's the sake of don't focus on me focus on the people in need yeah they Dodor's definitely a she's definitely a god of you show respect to me with the people you heal not about praising me right yeah show me show me your loyalty to me through acts of service to others yeah that's again that's why i've been that's a big reason why i like these gods because aside from alfred they all have such non-literal ways of operating that what they do makes sense like of course dota's not gonna have monuments upon monuments yeah you're not gonna stop because dota's focusing on helping the sick people help focusing on Helping medicine expand and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, a big thing in both games is their communication people. They're big, like both the, both the characters have specific inquire abilities. So, oh, okay, yeah. Dota's probably also communication and stuff as well. Unlike again, brands more physical focused, more more fighting or dueling focused policies, that kind of stuff. Dodor's definitely like the communication of understanding, the sharing of a recipe for a medicine, the like the conversations that help you have an epiphany or discover a disease or something like that. That's definitely Dodor's wheelhouse of communication. Learning things about people to help them figure out what's wrong with them. Exactly. That's... Diagnosis, that kind yep. of stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, Dodor... Dodor's Divine Skill. Are we there yet? Yep. Divine skill? Yep. Dodor's Divine Skill is Dodor's Charity, which is obvious. Dodor, Alvin, I believe, says Dodor, bring us your aid. Yeah. Again, very healing focused. Dodor's Charity actually... Why am I specific? 
Dota's charity gives you a, the ability to items that it's very item focused because concoct is taking items or taking materials, medicine, plants, whatever, and putting them together to create something to concoct something. The divine skill actually allows them to take the concoction that works for one person and spread it to all, which is represents Dota's literally Dota's charity, the ability to give the people the knowledge to give medicine from one to all. It's not just the concoctions, it's all of your items. So oh, that too, yeah. so your items that normally target one, like a po- what would be a potion in a normal mm-hmm. game, like you're able to heal your whole party with one, which exactly. ends up being extremely strong. Yeah. Especially um, in the second game where just going ahead a little bit yep. um ochet the hunter ends up being able to hunt and chop up monsters into different food mm-hmm. and they all have crazy effects yeah like you said it's charitable you are sharing the these foodstuffs with everyone yes yeah um doter yeah i think that's it for doter that's about it cool so then we are on to drefendi Drefendi. Okay, let me find. Drefendi is... The Huntress. The Huntress. Um, uh, from the word Drefend, which is Anglo-Saxon for the word hunter, used literally to describe a hunter of beasts. If Apothecary is the focus of people, and if Alvin is the focus of knowledge and everything like beasts, places, that kind of stuff, Huntress... The Defendi the Huntress covers the entirety of animology for the world. So how you operate, how your characters will operate with beasts, how your characters will operate with beasts, around beasts. Can they tame beasts? Can they hunt beasts? Can they cook beasts? A lot of that, it's a lot of a helping and dressing for how like your world operates aside from just the people. And it and it's got this cool sort of duality of being like a hunter and killer of yeah. beasts, but also working with the beasts, yes. which, which is very neat. And I think that they definitely honed in and made that made that whole theming better in the sequel. Yes, about absolutely. really like making these these monsters like your partners. Yep. For the two chosen of Drafiti from the first and second game, the first game, Hannah has a thing of being, is it her, is she a lost girl? Is the whole thing is that like she got found somewhere in the forest and a guy found her and then he raised her and then she had a snow leopard with her that she got along with? I know that she had a mentor. I don't know yes. what her history before that mentor was. I don't remember. Because that's also why she has a specific speeching pattern, because she's around just him and then a bunch of, like, beasts in the wild. And, like, very... Yeah. She pretty much made her, like, Tarzan, in a way. Like, they made her very not socially adept with people for the sake of making core more animal-focused. Yeah, it just says that she's one of the last... Oh, when she was an infant, her parents passed away, and then yes. Xanta decided to raise her. Yes. So not quite found her. It's just yeah. a nearby hunter, like, took pity on her. <laughs> Pretty much. And Ochet is, is very different. They introduced in the second game Beastlings, which are just wolf people? Yeah, they got yeah. ear, like, wolf ears and tails. Yeah. But other than that, they're pretty much people. 
Yeah, and they also, they have the classic, we have better senses. We can smell your fear. We can smell when you're tired. We can smell when you're hungry. Like, it's very, like, that energy. And that was also a very literal representation of obviously taking something like a human being and making them more literally beast-like to have them closer to animals. And also Ochet, and I, I don't know if it's all beastlings, but Ochet specifically can speak to animals. When Ochet communicates yeah. with animals, they respond with in, in language instead of just animalistic noises. Yes, yeah. Which also, again, is a big focus on nature, which is domain. Yeah, as far as domain, like, nature would yep. definitely be it. I could also see... I could see Tempest because they do both have the the electric move. Yeah. And so if you wanted to focus on that aspect, I could also see specifically Grave as in, like, the, again, like, the Circle of Life aspect. Yeah, both focus on the surface. Bo- yeah, both are very uh, Circle of Life focused, both a chat more specifically. Which yeah. Like, again, Hunter in the second game is kind of a lot stronger in showing its differences than just obviously being a class in a game. It shows a lot more aspect, like having the nature of being able to um, tame beasts the same way, but then also being able to, when you're finished with the beasts or other beasts, you can cook them and then use them as resources to then trade to people to hire them. Mm-hmm. Just like, oh, it's just cute because it's like the equivalent of a cooking class. It's the equivalent of like, the workplace. The way to a person's heart is by food, is by meals. And uh, everyone has like their own favorite meal. Exactly. So there's yeah. like a way to every person's heart through a certain type of meal. And again, like a lot of people, again, vegetarians and stuff also point out a lot again like a lot of the meat and a lot of stuff comes from other life and the circle of life and etc etc so it's cool to have that level presented to a game front and also in an rp type of front but it's not just meat that you're getting from these monsters because sometimes you're chopping up trees and you are getting salads out of this or you're you're, or yeah. you're fighting skeletons and you're just meats. getting bones yeah rock beings and then you just get i think it's yeah you get coal, and then you can make a certain type of like coal meat or whatever because you have the coal. Either way, the game has a cute way of putting that function and having another layer to all the monsters as well. Yeah. So because it's so nature-based, the way yeah. I would look at it is true neutral. Yeah. Like a, oh, like a, a druid circle of life, yes. like that sort of yep. a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I would say for domains... Anywhere with more wildlife than people, most likely cases, Defendi most likely will always be on the hunt, and you can't really be on the hunt if you're in a city. Lots so you're talking about where we would find her most of our time? Yes, domain, yes. Where would I find her? Sorry, I thought we were there. We might not be there. But yeah, definitely I'd find that domain anywhere involving hunting, anywhere where people are literally trying to create meals for people or that kind of stuff. I would definitely... Yeah, I would definitely say anywhere where kind of the circle of life is happening in that sense. Yeah. So, what heralds this god's presence? I like the idea that it's just generally like wolves howling or something like that. Yes, I would say wolves howling. I would say anywhere where a lone hunter is surrounded with wildlife or animals. Defendi seems to friendy seems to be very female focused very mm-hmm. female hunter focused it's not a lot of the gods are often as, as, as explicitly gendered but Drafati is and she's female and also both 
Trophy characters in both games are uh, female. There is also a certain sense of not belonging in society. There is a lot of comments in Ochat's story are people who don't recognize where she's from being confused about who she is as a person or as a being. They often question her ears. They often question her thought process. They're like, oh, what are you? Like very. Oh, and then there's also a whole group of humans that like treat the beastlings like lesser people. Yes. And then again with Hannah as well and her aspect because she was raised by one person. She's mostly just in nature and stuff. There's a certain level of, maybe it's headcanon for me, but there's a certain level of like awkwardness because her ability, because again, in this, in, in the first game, they only had one communication ability and her ability is to pretty much take the monster she's tamed and create combat with people, with other NPCs or people in the game. So it's this person who speaks in broken English going around like sicking monsters on people. So I can't imagine she's doing well socially. Unlike Ochet. On chat, who like who does a similar thing, but she also, on the other hand, in her her flipped ability, is to literally trade meals to then have someone follow her or that can or join her journey temporarily. For a lack of a better word, like Ochet seems to people seem to be confused by her being, but Hannah just seems to kind of be like lack of a better word a pariah on people. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> think she's a bit of a loner, like being out there with her with Lind, her yeah her snow, snow leopard. leopard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Trafady definitely is. It likes loners, likes individuals who have an understanding of hunting, who has an understanding of nature and beings and animals and existing in the kingdom. Yeah. So, in the structure of how it works. Yeah. What object is connected to this god? A bow. A bow. A bow. And maybe a campfire. Yeah. Aw, yeah, definitely a campfire or a bow. Yeah. How does this god prefer to be worshipped? I think not carelessly hunting, like hunting no. for a reason. Yeah, Chet says in the very beginning that she, like when somebody or I can't remember how it goes, but somebody questions what she's hunting, and she says there's like a cycle. She specifically says, "Oh, sorry, I'm remembering later on." There is a beast that that people are hunting and she becomes like frustrated about it because it's not even hunting for the sake of the hunt. You're just hunting to harm or to kill. And there's Mm. a big difference. That's a big reason why, you know, Chet's character, when anything she hunts, she makes it a meal afterwards. She makes something out of it. In comparison to just like lawlessly attacking things, which is another reason why I don't like a Chet's story a lot because there's an expanded version on Hunter rather than just going around and taming slash killing things. There's an actual functionality and actual like lot of things a beginning and a middle and an end yeah i think we're on to the divine skill yes the divine skill is uh drafadi's rage you cannot outrun drafadi which is a it's a bow attack that yeah it's a it's a powerful bow attack that hits all foes in the in Ochet's in the second game, I believe it's isn't it slightly different where it it hits multiple times, or is it just one hit to AOE? It is a multi hit in Ochet two, or but it's yeah Ochet because they're slightly different. Okay, oh, okay. so mm-hmm. in Octopath One is Drefendi's rage. In Octopath mm-hmm. Two, it's Drefendi's bow, which is a multi-hit attack. Oh, so they are slightly so different. Two different attacks. Yeah, 
but they're okay. so similar. I never noticed that they were not actually like same. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't close three times. Yep. I guess I also then a part of me then likes that because a hunter who has multiple techniques for hunting, it seems to be Drafiti, seems to be the only god who has a divine skill that has multiple divine skills. Yeah, because even though the effect is different, they call it the same thing for Elfric, for all the right? Other ones. Yep, all the other ones are the same names. Interesting. Mm. And I think that just makes sense as to a hunter. Also, a lot of the hunter's abilities are you can affect the way your target operates. You can affect. You could do a a false swipe or a mercy shot. You can, a lot of the attacks are bow focused. That's why bow, I would say, is definitely the symbol for it. Because although you can also build axes, it wasn't until Ochet where there was a specific axe-based skill for Hunter. So, yeah, definitely the, fo- the big focus on growth. There are also big AoE people. There is one attack, I can't where it's called. Actually, let me find it right now. Where you shoot an enemy with a bow specifically. I'm just going to find it. True Strike, which seems to be in only an Octopath 1. I'm not seeing it here for 2. Yeah, oh, the, the crit two. one? Huh? The crit, the critical hit one? Yeah, 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 True Strike, which was the only solo move. So they seem to, in the second game, really expand. Again, out of all the classes, I think Hunter definitely got the most workshopping in. That they more definitely more focused it to be definitely bow-focused and definitely AOE-focused. Yeah, and then again, they added one extra move for axe, which I think was required because, like, what are we doing here for axes? But yeah, yeah. So that brings us to the final of the eight gods, Seal Tige. Seal Tige. Seal Tige is Anglo-Saxon for a female dancer. So very on the nose. Also a class that's very that seems to be the goddess focused in femininity, the goddess feminine. Both characters that represent Seal Tige in both games are both female characters. Mm. They have drastically different stories, which I love. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Possibly uh, like two of the most different. Oh yeah. I like it because it shows the two different aspects of what the use of dance is for. In the game, obviously, dance kind of translates to buffing. It translates to helping people. It translates to, to inspiration or providing an extra boost of energy that wasn't there before. Yeah. And in the first game, Primrose, Mm -hmm. she almost wields her femininity in dancing as a weapon. Yes. Whereas Agnia is so focused on spreading good vibes and making people feel good. And that's like her, her like core deal so it's really cool to see the difference yeah as far as seal teach goes though she seems to be pretty open in that way i don't like she is known as the lady of grace yes so possibly on that alone you could lean good but i would probably say actually maybe even chaotic neutral I would, yeah, I would say chaotic good or chaotic neutral. Yeah, um, we could say chaotic good because yeah. it's not, even though Primrose's story is darker and is more about, like, revenge, like, that doesn't make her a bad person. Oh, absolutely person. not. It's just that she's a character of circumstance mm-hmm. and she's a character of passion and of vengeance, mm-hmm. which is, like, one of the ways you could tell a seal teach, like, coded or flavored story. 
Oh, why am I? Why is her name escaping me? Agnia. Her story is very. It's like they took the positivity of Tress's story in one and gave it to a CLT slash dancing character in two, mm-hmm. where there wasn't a lot of like heaviness. There was a lot of wanting to look at the brighter things of things, wanting to brighten things up. Unlike Primrose's story, where as you go further along, it kind of just gets darker and darker. So like Primrose kind of guarantees has the darkest story out of everyone, I think, in my head in that game. Yeah. In the same way that like Oswald has the darkest story in this game. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe Throne. Maybe Throne. Yeah, um, that was definitely on the fence. One of the- <laughs> but again, kind of spoilers for where Agnia's story ends up. Like even in the final, the final confrontation, like where a lot, like we were saying, a lot of these characters end up having like mirrors. She has mm-hmm. this mirror sort of dancer character. And at the end, when you succeed, like, it's not, haha, I've defeated them, or I've killed them, and they're gone for good. It's funny, because, again, Seal Teach being the Lady of Grace, Agnia yeah. really extends her grace to her foe, and, yeah. and like is don't she's not even like rubbing it in her face that she's bested her she's being very graceful about it yes yeah it's very interesting yeah i think when it comes to seal cheese out of any of the classes in the game i think their focuses or seal cheese characters are very quoted in taking femininity and getting past the issues that acclaim it sometimes like for Primrose's story, a lot of that was like the masculinity side of it was like the way that she was treated, what her kind of profession was, the mm. way she uses seal teeth and stuff in more seduction and more, not trickery, but in more manipulation and that kind of sense mm. to get where she has to do to avenge um, her father and those things and to hunt down the men that she needs to hunt down. And reversion to Agnia, who is femininity versus femininity, which is her trying to overcome, but not like directly in a competitive way, her trying to spread her joy and stuff and overcome the negative side of her, 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 how do I explain it? Her. She tries to keep spreading and shining her light despite all the things that are trying to dim it. Yeah, but I, the, the big thing is her biggest focus is an enemy who was similar to her and using her femininity. It was almost as if they created not as bad, not this, not Primrose in a sense, but her adversary is similar to Primrose in the sense of using seal teeth for seduction or not profit, but like manipulation for sure. Yeah. Because, yeah, because like, she's Prim- tricked like the general public into thinking exactly. that, that she's like such a nice, wonderful person when she's actually yes. terrible. Yeah. So I think definitely if we were to think about, domains for CLTs and stuff like that. I could see definitely trickery being mm-hmm. one. I could see... I could also see peace. Yep, I could see peace. I could see trickery. I could see light. Yeah. Actually, I, I want to c- take a look. I'm not very familiar with Twilight, so I'm just going to take a little... Twilight, look. I was looking at Twilight earlier, and I was I, we should, I was thinking that we should have probably uh, thought of Twilight for Albert, just because it's about speed. I think it seems to say it seems to say speed, Twilight Aura, blah blah, blah Pairs with Rogues. Yeah. Oh, it's about being in the in like Invis- the darkness sleep, and the in between. Greater invisibility circle. Power, power mislead. Yeah. 
But I could, yeah, I could definitely see trickery. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Twilight should. Yeah. Aber were yeah. like retcon. Aber yep. definitely Twilight. But I could also yep. see Seal Teach being Twilight reading. Oh this yeah. Too. The other, the only character that's the fastest characters are the thieves, and the second fastest characters are the dancers. Yeah. And the dancers have the most evasion, so that yeah. also has to come with a certain level of speed. True. Um, yeah. So peace, trickery, Twilight, light. Yeah. yeah. As a potential for light. Oh, I'm saying light because Agnia like kept saying yeah, about how she wanted to exactly. spread her shine or light. It seems to be like it could be an aspect because Primrose had darkness magic and did not really like operate in kind of a light. Like it was kind of like yeah. she was one of the darker Seal Teach people. Like right. Characters. So she and would Agnia be one. the Twilight yeah. one where like Agnia might Agnia be, the, would be light. the peace or the light. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I like that. Yep. Yeah. Cool. So, questions. Haha. I'm so <laughs> into looking at these. I literally lost my. Oh, no. I lost there my place. Is. Questions. What heralds this god's presence? Probably yes. music. Music. Laughter. The laughter. Definitely applause. bars. Definitely cathedrals. Definitely music. Definitely performances. Yeah pretty standard how does this god communicate with mortals lots of seduction lots of and not even in that kind of way just like legitimately like it's just how they operate it's the seducing of dance it's the appeal of the movement it's the the inspiration of the movement like it's in Agnia's, oh, Primrose is obviously more heavy-handed, sexuality and seduction, whatever. But Agnia's story, there's this thing, a part where she's in a town dancing. And at first, someone responds angry because they don't even know what dancing is. And then they immediately turn emotions because they get inspired by the dancing and stuff. So it's a lot of mo- uh, it's moving emotion through movement. So are you suggesting that Seal Teach takes like physical form to dance for people i think it's like seal teach because how is she communicating with these people like we were saying with maybe she maybe sometimes she is the music that the dancers hear sometimes oh i love that i like that a lot yeah if you hear music and yeah, you, don't you don't see you the music, source where it's coming from, it's very like oh. Seal Tej is playing or whatnot. Also, oh. like the animation for Seal Tej for the Divine Skill, which is called Seal Tej's Seduction, has an animation of music literally coming off of the character and spreading throughout the field. So yeah. it's this idea of Seal Tej might not even be physically. I mean, they probably all have human or humanoid forms. But CLT more so operates as musical existing. Yeah. Or music existing, not musical existing. But yes. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Where does this god spend the majority of their time? Well, like you said, in places with music and performance. Yeah. Yep. Places of cheer and places of, yeah, places of celebration or celebratory often. Probably anywhere that, yeah, but anywhere that, like... Bars. Yeah. Definitely. I was trying to think of the diff- what what makes I think out of all the characters, Primrose and Agni are probably have the most difference. 
So thinking about what makes them similar is very like difficult, I guess, in that sense. Yeah, besides the actual act of them dancing. Yeah, because they have such yeah. just different personalities, such different circumstances, such different like thought processes on why they do what they do. But it's to think about how Seal Teach sees a commonality between the two of them. Mm. It's probably again inspiration. Seal Teach probably saw Primrose and gave and bestowed Primrose to give her the ability to inspire others as well as herself again. Agnia was more so, oh, here's this kid with all this energy, they just need to concentrate it. Here, you dance now. Mm. That, like, also the inspiration from, like, Mother and etc., but that's more spoiler territory. But yeah. What object is connected to this god? Which I think is interesting, because unlike some of the gods where you would say, oh, like, the weapons that their class... Yeah. I don't think like Seal Teeth would necessarily be connected to daggers. No. But um, if you look I at would... the app game is a little bit different and dancers wield fans. Yes. And fans are the, the little icon symbol for the dancers' abilities. Yes. Fans work. Um also a lot of the characters they wear very um I don't want to say like Indian inspired outfits, but it's very um, crop tops, colors, um, bells and like bells and jewelry kind of attached to the ends of the shirts and stuff. There's a lot of like jingle with the dancing. I imagine there's a lot of sparkle in that sense. Mm-hmm. There's not they're not very neutral colors. They're very colorful. They're very bright, ornate um, outfits. Ornate outfits. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that's about it that you can really get because dancing yep. as a like an ability is su- such like body based like oh yeah definitely yeah um, yeah um, how does this god prefer to be worshipped I feel like dance and song dance song inspiration um, where music is hair definitely that yeah mm-hmm. um. And do you want to talk about the divine skill? Sure. Um, the divine skill is called Seal Teach's Seduction. And the quotation is that is feel the touch of Lady Grace. Or um, feel the seal teach is what also um, what Primrose also says. So it's about the idea of the music and the dancing touching you hitting you somewhere very like affecting you emotionally it's very like it's an over it's 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 an envelopment of emotion due to dance or an envelopment due to emotion due to the person's performance um and what that usually does because in a lot of seal teach characters are based in buffing they will do dances that will provide extra physical attack or defense or certain things like that um they will uh, uh, provide the ability to um make skills that are performed by a single ally that usually targets a single foe or ally will now target all foes or allies instead. So it makes it makes uh, it pretty much is again it's the inspiration it goes from seal Jesus seduction creates pretty much allows the person that's casted on to create bigger inspiration or a bigger effect from their things that usually just affect one person or one enemy. Right, an increased area of effect. Yes. Yep. So, it's like, again, like with Dota's Charity, 
allowing an item or allowing um, like the apothecary using medicine or a doctor to get create one item and make it many, it creates it allows one action to go from one foe or an ally to many. Yeah, it's it's a very powerful skill and really yeah. um, speaks to um, the dancer classes sort of like um, the support role. Definitely. Yeah. Um, giving, yeah, solid utility, I would say. Um, most cases, I've noticed with a lot of the divine skill abilities, CLT seduction is probably one that most cases can't go wrong with. Because most cases where you use it, it only helps. It doesn't really hinder. It doesn't really like mess up a lot of things that you're doing. Um, it also again makes sense to the character how they operate. It's CLT seems to be one of the more emotion focused gods. Like a lot of what what she provides and a lot of her capabilities are specifically like enticing and seduction, um, feeling that kind of stuff. So it's all the envelopment of the actions yeah and the whole concept of dancing to buff like is supposed to be like like you said like emotion based mm-hmm. making people feel good exactly yeah yep well that's all eight gods yay um and so i think in all of this um if you want to take um uh, these gods and use them in a, any campaign like uh like it, we've pointed out some very direct ways you can use it in a uh in a D campaign but um yep. um there's enough i think now of ideas uh to use them in different ways in, in any campaign um yeah i i think uh it could be really interesting of course there are other gods that would that we could have talked about i just wanted to focus on the main eight because there are some like uh galdera for example you can look them up definitely evil god um because you want that balance in in your campaign but i just wanted to give sort of an overview of it all Mm -hmm. definitely yeah um so that about wraps it up today um Thanks for everyone listening. Thanks again to Sean for coming on and helping me with this. Thank you for having me and thank you all for listening as well. And uh, be sure to look forward to the next episode. Bye. Yes. Bye. Nailed it. Nailed it 100%. Before you go, I'd like to thank James Roach for the awesome job on the podcast themes. You can check out what he's up to by following him on Twitter at Hamesatron. You can follow RPG Blueprints at RPGBP on Twitter. I'd also like to thank you for listening, and I hope you take a spark of inspiration from this episode and use it in your own creation.